to the Prophecy Club. Today we're going to go through Revelation chapter 1. As you recall, I just did the School of the Watchmen, which, by the way, was absolutely awesome. I just loved doing it. I love the people that were online and also in person in the room. We had a really, really good time. As a matter of fact, you know, when you teach through Revelation, that's not exactly something that people get excited about. But... This group was really excited, and I think it's because for the first time they began to really understand the book of Revelation in correct chronological order, and they got their questions answered, and we just had a wonderful time. Okay, but I didn't get to go through Revelations chapter 1 through 4, so I'm going to try to get through chapter 1 and maybe even into chapter 2 today, so you want to grab your King James Bible so we can go through it. Okay, so, Lord... We ask that you would show us the deep and secret things. Help us to understand your word today, because we know that it's ink on paper. We cannot possibly understand your infinite word just reading ink on paper, unless your spirit shows us the deep and secret things and give us revelation so that we can hear, see, know, understand, and remember in Jesus' name, amen. I always pray that before I get into studying God's word. Okay, so here we go. Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave into him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, what's that saying? It's saying that Jesus was given the revelation, but he sent his angel. And sometimes I'll ask a group of people, okay, so the person that came to John, was that actually Jesus, or was that actually one of his angels? And the correct answer is, it was actually his angel. I'll read it again. To show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, and that is also confirmed in Revelation 22, 16. So we have two different places, and that's another thing. About the book of Revelation, it is kind of a standalone book. See, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. So if it is established, and not everything in the Bible is established. What? What are you talking about? Well, some things are intended to, yes, maybe this will come to pass, and maybe this won't. Or maybe this is always accurate, and maybe it's not always accurate. But if it is in the Bible twice, then it's saying, yep, this one will always come to pass. Yes, this is always accurate, and you can count on it. So in that it says his angel was sent twice, we know that, yes, it really was. It wasn't Jesus. It was his angel. Now, why? He sent it to bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and that all things that he, meaning Jesus, saw. So it's a confirmation that Jesus really is the Christ. Verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep these things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Question. Is that saying that anybody and everybody just by reading the book of Revelation gets a blessing? Actually, no. Listen carefully to what it says. you, You get this deep understanding, we actually begin to memorize the scripture, which is, of course, why I would recommend a person memorize the book of Revelation. Blessed is he that readeth, but it didn't stop there. And they that hear the words of this prophecy, and here it is, keep those things that are written therein, for the times at hand. 
In other words, just because a person reads through the book of Revelation one time, maybe even two times, maybe even they read through it, say, once every 10 years, that's not, in my opinion, keeping it. It means that it is hidden in their heart, and on a regular basis, they're at least referring back to it. But, you know, the ideal would be to memorize the book of Revelation. And yes, with the help of God, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Verse 4. John. So this is a letter. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, these are seven literal churches. Literal brick and mortar, as they say. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. Now, that is referring to the Father. That's also talking about Jesus and, of course, the Holy Spirit. But it is specifically, in this case, referring to the Father. From him which is, which was, and which is to come. Here is the second thing. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne, that's the Holy Ghost, meaning that the Holy Ghost is actually seven spirits. And I'll show you here in just a moment further confirmation. And from Jesus Christ, so the third thing is talking about specifically about Jesus, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince, prince of the kings of the earth. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. First begotten of the dead? That's right. You see, Jesus was the first to be resurrected because he's still a lamb at that point. Remember Acts one eleven. The angel standing beside the disciples, you men of Galilee, why stand you looking up? This same Jesus, same Jesus. That's the same Jesus that just had fish with the disciples, just allowed Thomas to feel the nail scars and the sword going in the side of his, 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 his abdomen. In other words, he went up into heaven, probably wearing the same clothes. And it goes on to say, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. Meaning, the next time he comes down, he comes down in a physical white cloud, probably wearing the same clothes, definitely in the same lamb body. He will not be king of kings and lord of lords the next time he comes. I cannot tell you how many times in error I taught, oh, no, no, Jesus only comes one more time. And he puts his foot down on the Mount of Olives, and they split in two to the north, south, east, west. Water comes out. Oh, wrong. Okay, that, that's Feast of Trumpets. The next time he comes is the Feast of First Fruits. How do you know that, Stan? Because Revelation 14.1. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Okay, so if Jesus returns as King of kings and Lord of lords, in all power and glory, and puts his foot down upon the Mount of Olives, well, that's not the Mount of Zion. Mount of Zion is about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives. There are two different and distinct mountains, and there are two different and distinct returns, meaning the next time Jesus returns is on the Feast of First Fruits. How do we know that? Because it says, and these are they that are not defiled with women for their virgins. These are they that follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were, here it is, here it is. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. Okay, so that's telling us. These are the first fruits. Who, who's he talking about? Well, you go back to Leviticus twenty-three twelve, 
and it describes what the sacrifice is, what is required for the sacrifice of firstfruits. And it says they have to take a male lamb of the first year without blemish. Meaning, the 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys, that's just it. They all have to be in their first year without blemish of the first year. So they're all male. So it's 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. How do you know it's a Jewish stand? Because the first fruits is the barley harvest. Barley is representative of the Jews, whereas wheat is representative of the Gentiles. Okay, I mean, all about, you know, the wheat and the tares, and Jesus talks about the wheat and everything. Okay, but Jesus never talked about barley, because barley has to do with the Jews. Now, go back to Revelation. So John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him which is, which was, which is to come. That's the Father. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. That's the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and of the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Again, this old Jesus. And has made us kings and priests unto God and to his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, a couple of things there. When it says, and has made us kings and priests. Okay, are we both a king and a priest? I don't think so. I think that the kings represents, and I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those beheaded for the witness of Jesus, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark in the forehead and their hand, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. I believe that is the kings. Now the priests, and he that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I write upon him my new name. Those are the priests. The priests serve Jesus in his presence, and my servants shall serve me, and they shall see his see my face, and his name shall be in their forehead. I believe that's the priests. In other words, they never, ever leave the New Jerusalem the golden city, they never ever leave the presence of Jesus. Whereas the kings, those are the kings that sat on the thrones. Now, what do they do sitting on the throne? Well, he who sits on a throne is a judge. So I believe that these are the people that judge the angels. You see, Jesus judges the flesh. He judges the people. He is the righteous judge. Whereas the ones that sat on the thrones those judge the angels. And he's made us kings and priests unto God and to his Father. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Why does it say unto God and his Father? Well, because it's saying the one and the same, which is God and his Father. So he's saying he made them kings and priests, and they are connected to the Father of Light, or the self-existent one, or the Ancient of Days. So he has made us, who are washed in his blood, kings and priests. In other words, some are kings, some are priests. I don't think there's ones that are kings and priests. I think it's some are kings, some are priests. Verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. 
Okay, so what's this mean, clouds? Well, it's not, in this particular example, it's not talking about the white cumulus clouds. It's talking about eternity clouds. Woe to those that desire the day of the Lord, for it is not a day of light, but of darkness and clouds and thick clouds and darkness. Meaning, when Jesus returns, he returns in thick darkness, and those clouds are pure black clouds. You go back into Genesis, uh, the first couple of chapters, before he moved upon the face of the earth, it says, and there was darkness. So darkness is eternity. Before God said, let there be light, there was only darkness. Okay, so darkness is eternity. And that's the reason. When Jesus returns on the last Feast of Trumpets, and he returns in darkness, but out of that darkness, and by the way, you go back and you look, you look at uh, in the days of Moses, there were several places in there where it talks, go do a research on darkness. You'll see what I'm talking about. Darkness is eternity. You got to do a research on it though. But anyway, so when Jesus returns on the last feast of trumpets as King of kings and Lord of lords to destroy the tares and to set up his new kingdom, he returns in darkness. And as eternity begins to enter into time, that's the heaven. That's the reason the heavens roll back like a scroll when it is parted. So those clouds it's talking about, they're not white cumulus clouds. The next time Jesus returns is not going to be a wonderful, nice, bright day. I hear these people say, well, Jesus could return at any time. No, he can't. <laughs> no, he can't. I'll absolutely positively guarantee you Jesus is not returning this year or next 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 year. It's pretty easy to tell when he's going to return. He's told us, Revelation 14.1, I looked at the little lamb stood upon the Mount Sinai with him 144,000. And then it goes down the four verses later. It says, these were redeemed from among men, being the fruits, fruits unto God and to the little father. And in their mouth is found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Meaning that is the midnight cry. Remember, the Bible says, and at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go yet to meet him. Why does it say go yet to meet him? Because the next time Jesus returns, he actually returns down to the Mount of Zion, not Olives. Olives is 30 minutes away. <laughs> okay. Down to Mount Zion, he resurrects 144,000 one year old Jewish boys. Now, whether they're in a one year old body or a mature body, the Bible does not say. But he resurrects them and they follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Because at that time, We've got the two witnesses, which are John the Revelator and Moses, by the way, walking down around the streets of Jerusalem. And we've also got the beast and the false prophet over in the Holy of Holies, that area in the, in the temple. That's another story there, too. Anyway, anyway, so Jesus is the midnight cry. In other words, when we see Jesus return, and it says, go yet to meeting, so I assume that we could actually walk up upon Mount Zion and actually meet Jesus. Yeah. I mean, like even see the nail scars, shake his hand, give him a hug. What? That's blasphemy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's what Thomas did. He touched him. He felt the nail scars. He felt the sword in his side. They just had dinner together. They had fish together. So I assume when it says, you mean of Galilee, why stand you gazing up this same Jesus, same Jesus, in other words, in a lamb body, this same Jesus shall come again 
in like manner. So he went up in a cloud and he went up in a lamb body and he'll come down in a cloud, a physical cloud. These will probably be white clouds and he'll come down in a lamb body and he resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. They live on Mount Zion with him. Now, here's the problem. Mount Zion is actually a rather small mountain. This is more like a mount. Uh, 144,000 anything's up there. It's going to get pretty crowded pretty quick, meaning they're probably not going to stay there. But you see, this is the midnight cry, meaning that when we see Jesus and 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys resurrected to the Mount Zion, not Mount of Olives, Mount Zion, that is the midnight cry. In other words, at that time, we absolutely positively know, we know that we know that we know, know, know that that is the year Jesus will return at that time, approximately seven months later from that time. What? Wait a minute. Okay, so he walks around for 50 days because we know that there's 50 days from first fruits over to Pentecost. And then at Pentecost is when he resurrects the wheat. That's the ten virgins uh, parable. And those that were ready went into the marriage. Okay, And at the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is not about us. We only get a wedding garment. And then four months later, we get a white horse to return with Jesus on. But it's about Jesus. It's about the bridegroom. He is then brought before the ancient of days. He is given a dominion and glory and a kingdom. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, Daniel 7 says, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. He is then at the marriage supper of the Lamb, crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He changes from being the prince of the kings of the earth that we're about to read here in a minute. He changes from being a prince, which is an uncrowned king. He changes from being prince of the kings of the earth to become the king of kings and lord of lords. Then he changes from being the lamb of God to the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's given dominion, glory, as in light, more light, a different, it, brighter than the sun. Okay, brighter, he gets a body brighter than the sun. He is the bright, bright Morning star. That's what it's talking about. A bright morning star. So he's given a wonderful, powerful, bright body and a kingdom. And that kingdom, you remember where Daniel 7 uh, says, I, I believe here's the way it's worded. And then was the clay. Actually, that's Daniel chapter 2. Then was the, the clay, the iron, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces, became as the chaff for the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away, and there was found no place for them. And the stone, that's the stone that the builders rejected, and the stone became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Well, it's talking about after Jesus has returned 10 days later, during those 10 days between the Feast of Tabernacles, excuse me, the Feast of uh, Trumpets and the Feast of Atonement, that's when Jesus arises to shake the earth terribly. And every mountain falls, every valley is filled in, and there's no more sea. Except, in other words, the earth has turned to a nice, round, smooth ball. Except, 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 there's one. And there is only one mountain on the earth, and that is the mountain of God. Then, 15 days later, after Jesus returns on the, mount of, uh, 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 the Feast of Trumpets here, 
15 days later, that is the Feast of Tabernacles. That's when John says, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. That 250-mile square, clear, golden city comes down and sets on the one and the only mountain of God on earth. And that happens on tabernacles. That makes sense, right? Because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. That's the Feast of Tabernacles. All right, now let's go back to... Wow, we're only gotten through seven verses here. Oh, yeah, here we go. So he says, Behold, I come with clouds. Those are dark clouds. That's eternity clouds. And every eye shall see him. That means, and they also which pierced him, the people that actually nailed his hands to that tree, to the cross, are going to be there. They're going to see him. And now he says, Every eye shall see him. What does that mean? Well, Revelation 6, 12 says, And they ran in the holes and the rocks and cried to the mountains and rocks and said, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sat upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who should be able to stand? Meaning, even the bad guys that are down in the deep underground bases, their little underworlds down there, even those people down there. And by that time, I mean, the sun's gone out for 72 hours now by the time Jesus returns for the Feast of Trumpets. And... Pretty much, if you're going to live at all, you have to be underground because this is when the sun goes out and then the atmosphere cools and then there's great hail, every stone about the weight of a talent, which is about 75 pounds, about the size of a beach ball, probably seven to 10 foot deep all around the earth. So try to imagine hailstones the size of beach balls falling all over the earth, seven to 10 foot deep. <laughs> If you want to live, you're underground. But it's saying, even though they're underground, they're not just 10 feet, not just 50 feet, but they may be, I mean, 60 miles down. I mean, I don't know. But it doesn't make a difference. Every eye sees him. They see him right through the earth, the rocks over their head. They see him. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So he's identifying himself. Now, <laughs> I think I'm going to stop there, because now he goes into telling specifically how he got on the island and stuff like that. But what, I've got a request. I've got a couple of requests. First of all, it is extremely important that you go to watchmanstrumpet.com, get signed up, and get yourself to this solemn September assembly, September 6 to 8. Here's what's going to happen. Yes, we asked for a $25 donation. Why? Because when DJT had his big meeting, a bunch of people went on and signed up to come to his meeting that were never coming. And so consequently, when they had the meeting, there was almost nobody showed up. And so we need to know, $25, that you're really coming, you see. We don't want people to just sign up for nothing, and there are expenses. Uh, we're having it at the Hyatt. There's expenses to bring you. So anyway, it'll help with expenses. 
But even more so, if a person really has the heart to fast and pray and try to save this nation, eh, $25 is nothing. Look, you have never been, in a, tr trust me, unless you went to the last solemn September assembly, last September and also one in October. But if you, you've never been in a prayer meeting like this. So here's what happens. We open with our shofar. So I'm asking you to bring in your shofars, and that is a real ram's horn. That's the only thing we want. We don't want any brass instrument or anything like that. And precisely at 7.42, I believe it's the correct time. I have to look it up. But anyway, precisely at sundown, all of us will blow our shofars for seven long loud blasts. It may sound like a pig caught under a gate, but we don't care. We're going to blow seven long, loud blasts. Why? Because the trumpet is a declaration of war. And the devil has declared war against America. Well, the Christians are going to stand up and declare war against the devil because we know that Jesus gave us all power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and, by, and, and nothing shall hurt us by any means. So we know what we say, what we pray is what comes, not what the devil plans. We have the victory over him. And that's the reason we're calling the Solemn September Assembly because we want to save our nation. And probably by then we will be in that internal revolution. Probably by then, America will be needing our prayers more than any time in American history. So, your nation needs you. I'm calling you. If you are a spirit-filled Christian, if you and we're asking people, by the way, to gather in one name, Jesus. I don't care what your denomination is. I don't care what you believe. As long as you claim the name of Jesus, come. And we're asking you to pray for one thing, just one thing, and that is America. Go to watchmanstrumpet.com, get signed up, and get yourself at this meeting. What we're going to do, we blow the shofars, we fast for 48 straight hours. Yes, you can drink coffee and juice and water and things like that. And be, by all means, don't hurt yourself. Please take your medications, whatever. But we're going to fast and pray. We set up a microphone front and center, and you have up to five minutes to pray, and then it rotates to the next person. I mean, we literally have someone standing there with a stopwatch. So, I mean, it's five minutes, and it's no more than five minutes. So we let you know, you know, 20 seconds and start wrapping it up. And you're going to discover new ways to pray. As you're praying, yes, you can pray along with the person behind the microphone, but also we have big screens that have various prayer topics. You know, we're going to pray for military, pray for education, or various prayer topics. You will be busy. Now, you can come and go anytime you want to. In other words, you got to go get some nap. you got to go get some uh, sleep or, you know, that's fine. It's an open door. Come and go. But that microphone will be going 48 straight hours every five minutes. A different person behind the microphone. Most of the time, there was 25 to 30 people standing in line. Even in the wee hours of the morning, the line got down to only as small as five people. We're going to keep that microphone going because the Bible says wherever two more great agree is, is touching anything will be given them. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and be given. Wherever two more uh, gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We are going to stand up and pray for this nation probably like you've never prayed before in your life. You have probably never been to a prayer meeting like this. Watchmanstrumpet.com. Gathering everybody under one name, Jesus, 
to do one thing, pray for America. Watchmanstrumpet.com. 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 Second thing I'm going to ask is, yes, unfortunately, it is summer. And it tends to be that our mailbox just dries up, just fills up with concrete and rocks. And very few people give to us during the summer. So if uh, Prophecy Club has been a blessing to you, and if God has blessed you and you can help us, now would be a really good time. In 2017, God blessed me by helping me to memorize the book of Revelation. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. If you're really looking for the truth about the rapture, I honestly believe you will find it in this book. The truth is the Holy Spirit knows the truth about the rapture. And one of the reasons that the people other than post-trib can't seem to find peace about this is because the Holy Spirit is trying to tell them that they don't have the truth. That is, until they find post-trib. But either way, this is going to help you to find the peace about the rapture. I really recommend you get it. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10. One for 20, 10 for 30, and 20 for 50 at prophecyclub.com. Cornerstoneassetmetals.com is owned by a prophecy student who reads his King James Bible and supports Prophecy Club. Call cornerstoneassetmetals.com for gold, silver, palladium, rhodium bars, or coins. They can help you roll over your IRA, 401k, so tell cornerstoneassetmetals.com Prophecy Club sent you.